Last week, the talk was entitled Bodhicitta, the Awakened Heart. And tonight will be part two of that. And then afterwards, we can talk a bit. Some of you might have practiced a bit of Tonglen, which is the meditation that was taught that can be done in conjunction with Vipassana and be a very beautiful, intentional way to open the heart. The grounds of all of our practices is Vipassana, or mindfulness meditation. And what we do when we sit and gather here is train in the most basic way to come back to the moment. We train our hearts and minds, and as you know, many of you, the word for heart and mind is the same in Asia, many of the Asian scripts, that our practice is to bring full presence of heart and mind into the moment and to see clearly. That's the meaning of Vipassana, just what's happening right now. We could just as easily say not only to see clearly, but to touch fully, to fully experience life. We all love being touched. That's something we cherish when we feel touched or moved by life and really value it when we kind of drop our our guard in some way and and feel things fully. For many in this culture, it's not so easy. Movies and other kind of indirect approaches are used in order to feel alive. It's so interesting to me that there are and it's more men than women, men that I know, that really rarely cry, but just heartily weep at at a really, you know, well-done movie. Think of what it does. It's kind of hypnotic. You go to a movie, and it kind of gets around the defenses because it's them out there. You know, it's happening to them. So the, the armor goes down, but then we really relate to the lives that we're watching and touch into our own grief and joy and wants and fears. And we like that. Humans go to horror movies as well as uh, love stories and romances. My son's birthday was last week, and as part of his birthday celebration, we went in to see the unveiling of the Ice Maiden. You all heard about that mummy that was discovered this is a 500-year-old mummy, and the mummy was a child a little bit older than my son, about his size, so I thought we thought it'd be fun, and it was amazing to go see this, uh, this being that was so well-preserved. And I was quite moved as, as people stood around this glass, refrigerated expo- exposition. It was really awesome because... She's so well-preserved that you can relate to her humanness. You can really sense the being. You know, she's quite beautiful. And to feel a sense of relationship with a 500, uh, you know, person that's been dead for 500 years, you know, they're not threatening. <laughs> they haven't been around for a while in a certain way. But to sense um, kind of the the life form there. It was quite something to see all the people crowded around. In a way, they were very unselfconscious. It was kind of dark around there, and just that people were moved by this presence. There was a sense of sacredness there, kind of honoring the life that was there. We like being moved. Our path, and, and the spiritual path, is really about paying attention 
to just what's here so life can happen, so that we can feel it fully, so that we can live it fully. And a real basic principle in spiritual life is that any of the circumstances of our life, just how it is right now in our lives, if we pay attention, have the power to wake us up, to bring that full, alive feeling, that sense of in love with life, if we're willing to be there for it. This is a basic principle in practice. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. But we sometimes don't recognize that. We have this conditioning to divide up our lives into, well, this is the good stuff and this is the bad stuff, and um, not really be there as fully as we can. It's interesting sometimes just to step back and reflect, well, what are the circumstances in my life right now? And you might think of this, what are the difficult ones? What do I habitually kind of wish weren't happening? (laughs) You know, the rent's been raised, our pet died, our job's at risk, our worse yet, a person we love is very sick. What are the circumstances that we're facing? And to really wonder, to really wonder, now how can this wake me up? What would it be like if I was really willing to embrace this too as the fuel for bodhicitta, for the awakened heart? As I mentioned, we don't usually consider it that way. Our habit, a very deep habit, is to resist what's unpleasant, to wish it away, and to grasp at what's pleasant and be afraid it's going to go away. One of our cultural icons writes, as you travel the road of life, remember to stop and eat the flowers along the way. We all have different ways of doing it. Sometimes we grasp the flowers. Sometimes we forget to even look. Sometimes we try to eat it. Sometimes we mourn the fact that it's not going to be there for long. In mindfulness meditation, in Vipassana, our intention is to keep on coming back to really honor and be with and live the moment fully. And a lot of what happens is we see how we resist that. As we sit in our formal practice and in our informal practice through the day, we start getting more and more awake to the multitude of ways that we say no to this moment and look towards another. The many ways that we go off on in thought forms about what could be more or better or how to change what is. There aren't too many moments that we sit down and with that full sense of just kind of yes, yes to this. Underneath our rejection of the moment, underneath our grasping, is a sense of something's wrong, not enough. If you look closely at the pain that we go through, at depression or fear or grief or anger, Along with the sensations of that, there's a story. And the story is always about what's wrong. What's wrong with me? Are you? 
or the world or what's about to go wrong or what's already gone wrong that'll go wrong again. It's interesting to look. Lately, I've been doing this little practice with myself of when something, some painful feeling comes up, it's just asking, what thought am I believing or what story am I believing right now? Again, something's wrong. Usually it's something's wrong with this being here. You know, we're separate, we're inadequate in some way. So in a sense, one of the beauties of practice is we begin to change that habit of believing something's wrong and looking for something more and cultivate the habit of saying yes to what's right here, a willingness to be with what's here. That willingness is very profound. It comes out of a basic, I love life, and I'm willing to be with the pains and pleasures of it. We start cultivating a willingness to be here in a sense that this is enough. Remember that Buddhist nun I mentioned, I've mentioned a number of talks from the 1500s, who says that her kind of her mantra, her way through life is, thank you for everything. I have no complaints whatsoever. That can be a very powerful uh, guiding mantra. Whatever arises, thank you for everything. This is a poem written by Zen master Genza called The Rainy Season. Trailing my stick, I go down to the garden's edge, go out through the pine gate. The floods have washed away the planks of the bridge. Shouldering our sandals, we wade the narrow stream. I dabble in the flow, delighted by the shallowness of the stream, gaze at the rocks, Admire how firm some of the stones rest. The point of life is to know what's enough. Why envy those others? With the happiness held in one inch square heart, you can fill the whole space between heaven and earth. The point of life is to know what's enough. So we practice opening our hearts to this moment, discovering the enough in this moment. And as that becomes our way, there is increasingly a sense of completeness, of peace. There can't be any peace when we're wanting it different. Isn't that so? So we start being at home, really valuing and cherishing however this moment is. Now, because our conditioning is so great to do otherwise, in addition to vipassana, there are intentional ways of practicing, of meditating, to keep on opening our hearts where we most resist, where it's most difficult. 
where we're most in the habit of keeping our armor up. And last week, I described the practice of tonglen. And tonglen is a Tibetan practice for opening the heart that really means you know, taking in and giving out. It's kind of an exchange. It's opening up, receiving what's there, and letting go and giving what's there. The beauty of Tonglen is that where we're most protected allows us to begin to soften, to let in life. The basic premise being, what's here is meant to be felt, so let me feel it. Let me feel the pain, the pleasure. May I feel what I usually am ignorant of because it's neutral and doesn't catch my attention. May I feel this life. So the in-breath of Tonglen, the breathing in, is kind of inviting yourself to fully feel just what's here. The out-breath is a letting go, which is the other side of the coin. You know, just a releasing, a letting go, an offering of love or space or whatever's needed to what has been touched. When we practice in this way, we begin to have room for whatever arises. We begin to do that, the true way of sitting down and really sensing enough right now. So, this practice can be done formally, and I taught last week a way of of entering it into it formally, where you actually sit down with the intention of doing it, and there's a kind of a flashing on openness, sensing space, just real openness of awareness, then practicing with the textures of breathing in darkness, breathing out light, and then very specifically touching a specific place that you feel suffering, either within yourself or someone else or an animal, breathing in that suffering, breathing out peace or love or care, whatever. And then moving from that specific instance within yourself or someone else to where that is the suffering held by humans, beings in general, going from the particular to the universal in a very real way. So tongling can be practiced like this. We can train ourselves in this letting go of our armor and opening our hearts in a formal way. It can also be practiced as a response to any circumstance that arises. And it's really important as we deepen our our wakefulness on the spiritual path to start sensing more and more during our day, not just when we're here or when we're sitting, you know, practicing at home, but during our day, how to bring alive the sense of opening, of softening, of presence into into what happens moment by moment. So we can do tonglen in response to what arises at any moment, whether it's painful. Some, some of our experiences are painful. Our pleasure-filled are neutral. Those are the three ways we experience our moments. Pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So I'd like to do the rest of of talking tonight just about a little more specifically how to respond to what's pleasant, what's unpleasant, or what's neutral in this opening way. And then we can practice a little together and then talk some about it. Start with what's difficult. 
that every day we encounter circumstances that get us in touch with pain in some way, physically or emotionally. And the basic idea in Tonglen is to approach it in a way that's friendly. That when pain arises, to let it be our intention to befriend what arises. So we practice by sensing, ah, pain, and very quite quickly and naturally breathing in and allowing it to be there, allowing ourselves to feel it or touch it. Breathing out, and as we breathe out, offering what feels appropriate. It could be simply, may there be space for this, and sensing the space in your being and in all being. Or it might be more specific. May there be a relief, or may there be love. Now, a question that comes up in working with pain, this is especially that comes up when working with pain of the world, that we, you know, how, why should I open to the suffering of the world? It's going to overwhelm me. I'll be flooded with it. Our people talk about, why should I open up to all the pain that's inside me? I can't handle it. I'll break. That's an important question. Because most of us have hit that edge that feels like it's too much. You know? The pain of the world is too much. The pain within me is too much. It's helpful to recognize that even that experience of this feels like too much. I feel like I'm breaking apart. It's tearing me apart. It's breaking my heart. Even that is not a bad thing to feel. That sense that our edges, our form, our shape, our container is cracking is not a bad thing. In fact, it's really quite a natural, the experience of going to pieces is quite a natural thing just as a shell will break when it's outgrown, are in the evolutionary process. Most of you have heard of paradigm shifts, changes that occur over time that where all the current set of beliefs and structures and so on kind of have to fall apart and crumble, and there sometimes has to be periods of enormous chaos and confusion before a more mature, evolved you know, form can emerge. It's essential in spiritual transformation, too. We have to fall apart. Our structures, our smallness has to kind of break open to allow ourselves to touch what is deeper and truer. It's in periods of chaos or confusion that we actually touch into our creativity, touch into our resourcefulness. In spiritual terms, it's been described as the dark night of the soul, when all the familiar anchors and comforts are really not available. And it's out of that and through that that a more profound sense of who we really are can emerge. Joanna Macy writes that when the heartbreak opens, it breaks open to experience the whole universe. When we open to our pain, when we break open, we open to the pain of all beings. It is the source of our compassion, of our capacity to touch each other. I'd like to read you a little bit that Joanna Macy has written. She's a wonderful spiritual teacher and also 
a teacher of how to bring Buddhism, or engage Buddhism alive, how to bring compassion into action. She writes, Basic to most spiritual traditions, as well as to the system's view of the world, is the recognition that we are not separate, isolated entities, but integral and organic parts of the vast web of life. As such, we are like neurons in a neural net through which flow currents of awareness of what is happening to us as a species and as a planet. In that context, the pain we feel for our world is a living testimony to our interconnectedness with it. The pain we feel for our world is a living testimony to our interconnectedness with it. If we deny this pain, we become like blocked and atrophied neurons, deprived of life's flow and weakening the larger body in which we take being. But if we let it move through us, we affirm our belonging, our collective awareness increases. We can open to the pain of the world in confidence that it can neither shatter nor isolate us, for we are not objects that break. We are resilient patterns within a vaster web of knowing. Because we have been conditioned to view ourselves as separate, competitive, and thus fragile entities, it takes practice to relearn this kind of resilience. So that sense of it's too much to handle, this fear that we have, or this grief, this anger, well, it's going to be there anyway if we don't handle it, if we ignore it, and it creates greater suffering, the suffering of contraction and the suffering of separation. We don't feel connected with each other when we don't connect with what's there. So really, it's our practice to open to it. And when we do, we discover what the Buddha described as the greatness of heart that can hold it all. Joy really is the open space that makes room for all the pain and all the pleasure. It's that capacity to be with it all. But it's not meant to be done in a heavy-handed, brutal, uncompassionate way. If we're traumatized from some early abuse, if our system does feel fragile, this practice of opening and willingness to touch what's there is one to be done in a very gentle and wise way, carefully, but definitely one to be taken up as really our pathway to freedom. For me, the first Vipassana retreat I did was a great lesson in how I held back from things. Um, The first few days that I was there, as many people, I went through all sorts of waves of physical pain and discomfort and the emotions of, I don't like this, and what on earth am I doing in this place? You know, here I had 10 days, I could have been in the Caribbean, you know. So the first few days were that kind of hell of fighting what was going on. And then I started following the instructions and and really 
concentrating on my breath. And as many of you know, when we do concentrate, when we start quieting the mind and coming back to the breath, back to the breath, back to the breath, after a while there's a quieting. And after a while more, uh, the different experiences of samadhi, of absorptions, arise. And so by the fifth day, I was having all sorts of wonderful experiences of light and dissolving and bliss and peace and really nice experiences. But there was still a controlling going on. Do you know what I mean? It was back to the breath, back to the breath. I was getting quiet, but it was it was a controlled kind of thing. And then I started feeling lurking under that, this real deep sadness and, and fear about how life is passing quickly. And at that point, there was a talk given about just befriending whatever arises, just letting it be there. So I said, all right, well, I'll try again. I'll just open it up to whatever comes. And I started letting all these different waves of experience come through, a lot of grieving, which many people do experience on retreats. And I was no longer having these blissed-out experiences, but after a while, I came to a place of a more profound sense of well-being than any of the kind of more um, classically pleasurable experiences. And it was that well-being of feeling like anything that comes, anything in life that arises, it can be there. That this too, it was a sense of this too, it's okay. Many have discovered that, that we touch into a deep place of confidence and well-being, not because we've guided our mind into some blissful, peaceful, light-felt space, but because we've been willing to be with, to make room for whatever life wants to arise. We've let the waves of life arise and pass away. So in Tonglin, we practice this in a very direct way. In Tonglin, we really meet with a willing kind of invitation, the pain that comes, and invite ourselves to experience it fully. Now, we do it with pain, and we particularly practice it when there's any sense of blaming going on. As most of you know, the, one of the most profound ways we trip ourselves up is by blaming ourselves or blaming each other for whatever. There's this basic story of something's wrong and it's my fault or your fault, you know, but it, there's someone at fault. Most of us take it in personally pretty a lot of the time, but we throw it out to others too. So a powerful place to practice Tonglin is when you get any glimmer of blaming going on because it's so easy to get into the story of how that person's deficient or I'm deficient. Great place to practice this. To as soon as you sense blaming or judging going on, go under the story. That means recognize it and immediately feel what the experience of all of it is, all of this, in your body. Breathe it in, touch it, feel it, let it go. It's a very practical way of working with difficulties with each other in an interpersonal way. And I'll give you a brief example because it was really an inspiring one for me. Several months ago, 
I was working with a couple, and they had a kind of classic dynamic, which many couples have, where, where the male, sometimes this is a gender, it's switched on genders, but in this case, the male was really his, what he wanted was more affection, more attention, more connection. And um, he could, when he didn't feel it, when he felt like his wife wasn't there for him, he would become possessive or clingy or grabbing. And he'd really blame her. He'd criticize her for being cold and hard-hearted and so on. And so that was his thing. And hers was she really wanted to feel a sense of space and freedom and independence. She wanted to feel that she could live her life free to live her life. And so her reaction to his wanting was to get very aloof and distancing and blaming. They both landed up with blaming, but they had different needs, and they, it circled around. The more aloof she'd become, the more clinging he'd be. The more clinging he'd be, the more she'd go like that. Is that a familiar dynamic to anyone? So what we did, we did tonglen with it, but we did it out loud and with, with everybody there. And she would describe her experience, and the story that went with it was, if, if I always have to respond to your needs and your demands, I'll never get to feel the life within me. I'll never feel free. I'll never be happy. And there was a tremendous sense of grieving and loss at how she had all her life, because this is a story of her life, had lived in response to other people's needs and demands and a desperation about having some sense of freedom. And as she did it, she'd put her hand where she felt that grief. And as he was listening, he would just listen to her go under the story and under the story, feel her grief, feel her fear about not living his life, and stay with that and and try to do tonglen with it, breathe in that sense of what she was going through. And vice versa, when when... He was telling his story and what was underneath that story, the pain of feeling pushed away and the fear of never feeling loved, feeling unlovable, feeling like he'd always be separate, he'd always feel lonely, and the grief about the loneliness he had had all his life and his past story of how many times he had been pushed away. And she'd sit and listen and put her hand where he was feeling his pain also on herself and Role reverse, that's the term in psychodrama. Enter into that experience until they both were able to fully touch their own and do tonglen, breathe in, touch that fully, breathe out, really offer their own beings a wish of peace, freedom, and openness, and then do it for each other. And what was so beautiful is that they, months later, still had the same dynamic. I mean, it was still going on, but there was so much more room and understanding. They weren't believing that the other was at fault. That was a basic shift. And they weren't believing that they were at fault. They were just seeing the dynamic and making room for the pain that came up in it, and also making room for the care that came up when they were being present for what was going on. This is our way. We don't get rid of the anger or the need or the love or the fear, but we come into wise relationship with it by befriending, by listening to, by being with.
A beautiful thing to experience with Tonglin and when, especially when two people are, are opening in the same way, is that when you touch into the pains or the fears or the loss, the grief that comes up, and you've really allowed yourself to feel grief completely, feel loss, then you can look into another person's eyes in a very steady and open way because there's nothing left to lose. You've already faced and been with loss. So there's a tremendous capacity for presence. People find this when they join together after someone's death, that there's a whole nother dropping down. Do you know what I mean? Into presence, because they've lost so much together. You know that line, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. It's a good one. So that's doing tonglen with what's difficult. Then there is doing this practice, this opening, to what's neutral, to where we don't pay so much attention. We spend a lot of our moments not paying attention. So it's a really important zone. If we just learned to deal with pain and pleasure, we'd be missing out on what's called the source of arising of ignorance, where we just are not there to know what's going on. With so many people in our lives that we have no strong feelings around, we just really aren't there, present with them. Our activities that we're not into particularly. The dying process, writes one person, begins at birth but it accelerates at dinner parties. (laughs) We don't like being bored. Most people will avoid it like the plague because we, it's not just a, a minor thing. Being bored is like being dead, you know, being not engaged in some way. Unfortunately, we run from it into all sorts of preoccupations that don't really fell us. There's a slogan that goes along with the Tonglen practice that has to do with considering all beings to be like your mother, that all beings have been your mother at some time. I'd like to tell you a story about this teaching, because many people hear that and say, everybody's been my mother? I don't know. I mean, maybe so-and-so, but definitely not, you know. (laughs) Joanna Macy, who I've been referring to tonight, um, lives in California, and I spent a little time with her when I was last there, and she told this story about when she was in Tibet and receiving some, actually she was in India receiving some Tibetan teachings. And she received this teaching of consider all beings that you meet as a being that has once been your mother. And she found that a little difficult and she was kind of bored, so she went outside to get some air. And went outside, and she went for a little walk, and she kind of encountered a very old woman who was bent over with a pile of logs on her back, kind of walking up a hill, all bent over. And in her mind went through the thought, this woman has been my mother. So she got really interested in looking at the woman's face. And she told us that she's seen 
lots of bent-over elderly people in India carrying piles of wood. But in this instance, she had this real deep caring and interest to see who this being was. She was really paying attention. And out of that experience, what she concluded was, you know, maybe that's a true teaching or maybe not, but the real teaching under it is to allow ourselves to stop and pay attention and care and be interested in all beings. Now, that doesn't mean our time is just spread out all over the place, dispersed and out of control, but rather when we're here to be here with whoever we are and let our hearts not selectively open and close, but really have the intention of being here with interest. Pema Chodron, who writes, uh, the, who wrote the book Start Where You Are, and this is the book in case any of you haven't seen it. A lot of the Tonglen teachings are, that I've been talking about um, I first read about in her book. She writes that we feel we're the center of the universe and we only pay attention when there's a lot of passion or a lot of aggression. You know, if there's something to gain from somebody or something to fear about them. And other times we can be pretty disengaged. So our practice is to bring an interest. And it really brings the day alive when we do that. You might reflect for a moment right now, just as you sit. Just close your eyes and bring to mind a person that we'll call a neutral person in your life, where you don't have a lot of animosity or passion but they're one that you encounter in a regular way, so they're a regular feature of your day. And just bring an image of that person to mind and see their face and see their body and how they stand or sit. And for a moment... Step into that being and look through their eyes. Sense or imagine what life might be like living in this body with this personality. What are you wanting? What what matters to you if you're this person? What might be your hopes and fears? Sense into that. Breathe in and feel the essence of this being. Feel what might be their pain. Breathe out and offer some wish for this being, this pain. And gently breathe yourself back into right now, this body, this human. 
You might sense a feeling of relatedness to that formerly neutral person. We can bring alive our lives when we take the moments to care, to be interested in whatever's happening with whomever we're with. So there's bringing Tonglin or that sense of presence to what's painful. There's bringing it to what's neutral. And then there's bringing it to pleasure. Most of us have had the experience of not permitting pleasure in our lives. We kind of know how we do that. There can be a sense of of unworthiness or anxiety about I should be doing something else or different. Some people have a belief system that if it's too good or too pleasant, I'll be punished in some way because I'm unworthy. Most of us have some fears when there's pleasure around it being taken away. I mean, so many have had that experience of being in a pleasant a pleasant kind of situation and enjoying it for a bit and then crop the thoughts cropping up, you know, how long is this going to last and what's next? And we sabotage our moments that way by not really resting in what's there. So with pain, our pleasure to really feel some joy is not to interfere, to let these waves come and go. And Tonglen, again, can be a practice of not interfering, but really allowing pleasure and yet letting go around it. Because if we allow pleasure, but then there's a grasping and a holding on, it turns into suffering. The very nature of holding on turns pleasure into suffering. We do the practice of Tonglen with pleasure. You have a good taste or a beautiful sound or a a good sensation in your body to breathe in and feel fully just that. To breathe out and to let it go, to wish it for all beings, to share it. Now, this breathing out and sharing it, some people are confused about, like, you know, why would I want to get rid of it? But there's not a getting rid of the it. There's a letting go of any holding so that the, what you're experiencing is held in a very open, free space. When we let go of what we're holding on to, what we let go of is the grasping self. We let go into being a part of everything in the universe, letting go. The biggest area of letting go for many of us is in our hopes and expectations for the future and what we want to happen. We'll have pleasure and then to let go of the hope and the want for it to continue. And that's where tongling can be very powerful, to breathe in and feel it and then just let it go, share it. Practice not holding on so tight. Let me read you from Rumi. This is called, There's Nothing Ahead. Lovers think they're looking for each other, but there's only one search. Wandering this world is wandering that, both inside one transparent sky. In here, there is no dogma and no heresy. The miracle of Jesus is himself, not what he said or did about the future. Forget the future. I'd worship someone who could do that. On the way, you may want to look back or not, but if you can say, there's nothing ahead, there will be nothing there. 
Stretch your arms and take hold of the cloth of your clothes with both hands. The cure for pain is in the pain. Good and bad are mixed. You don't have both. If you don't have both, you don't belong with us. When one of us gets lost, is not here, he must be inside us. There's no place like that anywhere in the world. Forget the future. I'd worship someone who could do that. This forgetting the future, this letting go of what we're grasping, is really a letting go into the moment. When we let go of what we're holding on, we open our beings to receive the beauty and the love and the mystery that's here in every moment for us, if we're available. It happens when we relate unconditionally. When we start dropping the resistance to what doesn't feel good, when we stop grasping after what we think is the answer to our dissatisfaction. Being unconditional means being absolutely willing right this moment. Can you unconditionally be with your being this moment? Suzuki Roshi, great Zen teacher, when he was dying, looked around at his scared and sad students and said, listen, if while I'm dying, it looks like I'm suffering, I am. I'm suffering Buddha. No. There's suffering Buddha, and there's sad Buddha, and happy Buddha, playful Buddha, cheerful Buddha. It's all part of waking up. If we can drop the sense of something's wrong and unconditionally sense the waking up Buddha nature of every moment, then there's a sense of freedom. Then we can dance in freedom because we're not busy trying to manipulate our lives. The practice of mindfulness is caring presence, is a simple caring presence, yes to this moment. These practices of intentional opening We bring caring presence to what's here, and then we very intentionally with Tonglen not only say yes, but breathe it in. Not only don't hold on, but wish it out to others. These practices are ways of letting go of our armor that surrounds our heart and freeing us to truly love life, to love these moments. So I'd like to end with that and have us spend a little bit of time practicing together and then just talk a bit as a group. So please feel free to stretch your legs before we sit. We'll practice together this Tonglen meditation in a way that was first suggested by Joanna Macy but comes from the teachings of uh, cultivating compassion. We start by sitting in a way that's comfortable, relaxed, and yet wakeful. Closing your eyes, focusing the attention on your breathing. 
but not trying to breathe in any particular way. Just watch the breath as it happens. Notice whatever sensations come with the breath. As you watch, notice that the breath happens by itself, without your will. There's no need to control. There's no decision to inhale or exhale. It's just happening. It's as though you're being breathed, breathed by life. We're all being breathed. Everyone in this room, in this area, on this planet, being breathed, sustained in a vast breathing web of life. Now visualize your breath as a stream or ribbon of air that passes through you. See it flow up through your nose, down through your windpipe, and into your lungs. And now from your lungs, take it through your heart. Picture it flowing through your heart and out through an opening there to reconnect with the larger web of life. Sense this stream of breath coming in through the nose, down, through the lungs, into the heart, and then back out again, reconnecting with the larger web of life. Let the breath stream as it passes through you appear as one loop within that vast web connecting you to it. Let yourself now open to and connect with where you sense suffering. You might feel it within your own body or mind or heart. You might sense it in another person you know or in an animal, but a very concrete, real sense of suffering or pain. Breathing it in, breathing it in this stream, into your heart, being willing to feel and touch it, and then breathing it out back into the whole web of life again, letting go with care, with spaciousness, breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and fully receiving, touching, experiencing the pain. Letting it move through your heart and then with the exhale out again. Letting go into the web of life. You can breathe in pain 
like dark granules on the stream of air, up through your nose, down, down into the lungs, the heart, and out again with the exhale into the world net. You're asked to do nothing for now, but let it pass through your heart. Be sure that the stream flows through and out again with the out-breath. Don't hang on to the pain. Surrender it for now to the healing resources of your own heart and the life's vast web. Breathing in, letting it touch your heart. Breathing out, surrendering it with the love of your heart into the vast web of life. And then opening the awareness now to where this suffering is in all beings. If it's fear, if it's anger, if it's hurt. The sense of it being not my pain, but the pain in this world. In a very real way, sensing the suffering of all beings. Again, letting the images of others, of beings suffering, surface in a concrete way. Just relax, let it happen. The vast and countless hardships of our fellow humans and of our animal brothers and sisters as well as they swim the seas and fly the air of this ailing planet. Breathing in that pain and then breathing it out, surrendering it to the healing resources of life's vast web, surrendering it with the love and care of your heart. If no images arise, if instead there's a sense of blankness or gray or numb, then breathe that through. Whatever's there, numbness itself is a very real part of our world. Take these last moments to breathe just what's there, touching the heart, letting it move through the heart, Just this wellingness to be with what is, to breathe it in, let it move through our hearts. To breathe out and let go with care, with prayer, back into the universe of which and to which we belong.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.